So we're actually a little behind tonight, which is okay. And that's mostly my fault because my dogs decided to tear up a thing of potting soil and roll in it while wet. So I had to give an impromptu dog bath. That was super fun. Guess what, chat? You can blame the DM. It's his fault. Yeah. Thank everyone for popping on to join us for In Absentia, episode six, A Word of Caution. I'm your GM, Steve or Jeshek on social media. Most of the time, I'm just posting under Uber Geek Media anyways. Joining us tonight are my other hosts. I am Mark's beardless twin, Cram. Just kidding. Uh, I'm Mark. I am playing the dragonborn sorcerer known as Sigrid. I'm Anne, and I play the Kanku Rogue story. And I'm the guy who ignores the bit until the very last moment. I'm John, or Seasonal Bard, and I play Quill, Tabaxi Wizard. To do a little bit of a recap here, uh, who remembers where we left off left last episode? We were uh, about to get a good night's rest, and then something else was about to happen. <laughs> I got drunk. I was making doodles and was super distracted. Uh, Ziggurat got a chance to have some one-on-one time with Story and tell his story to her, probably monopolizing some time till he realized, uh, uh, duh, I need to wait for her to talk to me and pay attention to her and take her visual cues. Um, she made doodles of your story, so it was fine. It's true. He loves them. He might keep them if, if she lets him. Oh, of course. But more importantly, Quill was a coward. We, we had our first combat. I got hit. I'm the only one who got hit. And I was a coward for it and ran away from battle. Intentional. But oh, Z- Ziggurat missed wildly with his uh with his firebolt and lit a store on fire. So And Story did exactly what she intended to do. To be expected. Very well. With we a plum. didn't uh, we didn't kill we didn't kill a man. Did not. No. We rang wrangled in some like NPCs, we wrangled in Sir Gammon and uh, Friar Benjamin to come help with uh, making sure this guy stays alive, hopefully, until morning when we can ask him questions. But some of us had downtime, some of us drank liquor with a Friar in a side room. A fair amount of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a fair amount of liquor in a side room with a, with a Friar. But we did, we did good, I think. And then right as everyone kind of was... Quill even back to camp yet? Nope. I showed up at camp with a mysterious shadow behind me. That's right. No, he was by himself, alone. Nothing else. Ziggurat Ziggurat sees the shadow, but uh, that's it. That's where we left off, is uh, Ziggurat probably mouthing and talking like I am right now, and probably slowing his speech down as he sees Quill, about to say hey, and then realize there's a shadowy figure behind Quill. Dory and Ziggurat are sitting around the fire, and I believe you would just kind of approach the fire, and, you know, kind of behind Quill, I believe, was this kind of shorter, shadowy figure. And I left up. You pointed out I have no idea. Ziggurat, uh, so the way I see it, it's we're kind of sitting on logs around this fire, and Ziggurat is probably facing, and Story might be a little off to the side of the, the trail that uh, Quill is coming down. So Ziggurat kind of, for a second, locks eyes with, well, looks at Quill's Waves. mask. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and then it quickly realized like <gasps> what's going on. Uh, and then uh, just because he's on edge from what happened, he's super tired, hasn't had any chance to rest. I, mean, I think we said they got a short rest, but you know, on edge, he's going to cast Prestidigitation, which the range is about 10 feet, so I'm hoping it's about 10 feet away. As far as it can go, he's going to cast Prestidigitation and launch fireworks in the air to lighten up, brighten up the area to see what he sees. Yeah, uh, rolling rolling up on them, Quill would probably be like, uh, good, you're still awake. Uh, I, I was meaning to talk with both of you. And then fireworks... I assume press the digitation is sound or light. Yeah, so it's a number of things. It's a minor magic trick with some sort of sensory trick. So it can be a symbol that I draw in like sparkler type letters in the air, or I can draw it on things. It can be smoke. It can be smells. Anything that affects a sense is is essentially what press the digitation is. So at the point, like, so it's lit up now. So I see, do I see it? The creature or not you probably see me react because i have to would, would like have to take up my wand and do like a motion and say a word or something is it somatic i believe it is it yeah. is somatic or vocal i mean so so at yeah, that so, i would look around to see what was going on yeah probably so do i see it or do i roll uh i i think at, at this point you would probably be searching a little more actively so yeah you would you would see this still kind of shadowy shorter figure not nearly tall enough to be an adult human uh, as soon as i see a shadowy figure i find a tree to hide behind or crawl up or okay I'm, that's what i do i hide and then attack you didn't see anything it's hard to hide near a fire okay so that's the new look for my character <laughs> i am now a penguin so the shadowy figure kind of slides into the firelight and even into the the circle of light um you said it was kind of a light up prestidigitation too yeah it's a firework so it would have been just a burst of light with a pop sound both to try to distract the figure and get have us get a look at it at the same time and it would have been up in the air maybe 10 feet or so above them so to cast it kind of diagonally above quill's head why don't we all do a quick perception check just with that brief flash of light to see if we can catch any more detail of this shorter figure. Eight. Twenty-one. Oh. I feel I shouldn't. Uh, I feel I shouldn't roll for this. You know what really helped for me to see your Being rolls? Being on D <laughs> You got it. <laughs> I feel Quill would not roll for this, both because he's drunk and because he's not. He wouldn't see the light, but my gecko does. And I'm kind of using that, using the gecko's eyes, until I get situated. But at the same time, like, Gecko's looking forward. Probably would freak out at the sound of a pop and a quick flash of light. So no way I'm seeing this. I don't know what's going on. I'm just scared. Well, it's behind him and he's blind. True. But he could at least catch a vague location, which if it turns into combat, might help him out. <laughs> the five. That was per you said it, you rolled a persuasion check. Yep. You failed to persuade the dark figure. Really? That's... It persuaded the dark to reveal itself. Okay, so it's a six instead of a five then. Story, you get this brief flash. It seems to be a human child. Oh, God, no. Uh, again, a little girl. However, 
she is dressed differently. This little girl is dressed in rags and burlap. She seems fairly dirty. She doesn't appear to be carrying any weapons. In the brief flash, you just kind of see her kind of duck. And then it goes dark again, and all you can see is this this vague outline. Okay, so if it's a little girl, I'm not going to go run up. Weird, after your most recent experiences with strange little girls. Well, the hope is that the every other little girl that I've ever met is also not the creepy little girl. Like, she specifically does not look like no, the, the creepy... No, she does not the... look like the creepy okay. little girl you met. Okay. I mean, I grew up helping an orphan. Yeah. I'm going to, you know... Have a heart. Yeah. Is anyone else going to attempt to do anything? Ziggurat probably just sees this figure, like, d- doesn't see any anything else or notice that. So he's still on edge. I feel like he's going to act, and if this is possible, uh, I'm going to take out my torch which is on my pack which is probably like laying on the log next to me grab it and i'm gonna throw it and then i'm gonna cast prestidigitation again to light the torch as it's flying through the air in that direction now we're throwing stuff at her (laughs) it's more like an underhanded throw bill doesn't know what's going on but i mean if a torch is coming if a torch if a torch is coming towards me i'm gonna get out of the way okay yeah if will is still not like reacting to i'm going to point like the little girl and like i'm gonna say this but neither of you are gonna know what it means so oh is it? there's something behind me <laughs> you're you're, right. you're in the shadows i think so i'm i'm not even i probably can't even see you no when i saw that it was a little girl oh, i did not, not okay. hide yeah you just hear this this little girl kind of scramble about and she's kind of hiding behind a rock she goes hey i mean you, you don't have to throw stuff at me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't sneak up on us like that. <laughs> Listen, we had a rough day. A little startled. Sorry about that. I I suppose it's dark. And it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry about that. Why don't you be a dear and pick up the torch and uh, bring it back to me if you could. We can talk by the fire here. I make a little spot for her. Wait, wait a second. There was a little girl behind me this entire time. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, Quill. I hate to, hate to say, but somebody followed you, you to our camp. And, and I'd imagine, like, Quill, after the recent experience and not being able to see the little girl, like this little icy tendril of fear goes up your back. Ah. <laughs> uh. I, like, immediately get closer to the fire, start rolling out my bedroll. Like, I don't have time for this. Obviously. Mildly intoxicated. As Quill walks by, Ziggurat goes, some night, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You probably probably smell whatever. Yeah, you smell alcohol on me. That's the first thing that he noticed as he walked by. Just get a, a big waft of that smell. The fire kind of flicks up a little bit as you walk past it. <laughs> Mate, why don't you get some rest? That <laughs> just flares a little bit, just from the vapor. I tried to make a nice inviting spot. Story has made herself fluffier, so she looks cuter and less, you know, sleek rogue. Yeah, I, I roll out my bedroll and I lay down on it. <laughs> 
not trying to ignore everybody, but obviously, like, it's, I'm I'm too drunk for this kind of thing. Uh, and Ziggert, Ziggert goes, what, what brings you here, little one? Well, I, I have a message and probably a word of warning. And she reaches down and picks up the torch. And as she does, the light plays off of her face and you see just a rash of freckles across the bridge of her nose and her cheeks. Um, she's got kind of mousy brownish hair. She's got them braided back into pigtails, but she's very dirty. She clearly has not had a bath in a long time. She doesn't look particularly malnourished, but she doesn't look well fed either. She walks and carries herself with an air of someone who probably has lived a little bit more than her years and uh, approaches the fire, jams the torch into the fire pit and, and sits down next to Story. I offer her food out of whatever I'm eating out of from the provisions. Yeah, Ziggert had uh, rations that I whipped together. Okay. Not your, your lamb stew? Uh, no, he had provisions. Oh, that's right. Okay. All right. But I offer it from my plate so she knows that it and she grabs a you know, piece of jerky or whatever it is and just kind of starts noshing on it. You see, she, her teeth are not great. You know, she's, there's no dental work here. So she, by all appearances, seems to be a kind of sweet little girl. She kind of sits in silence for a while while she's kind of smacking and chewing on this jerky or whatever it is. Chewing with her mouth open because kids do that. So, uh, you and the fat friar must have had quite a bit. I could have followed you just from the smell. Ziggert kind of kicks Quill. Hey, she's talking to you. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yes, I had a bit to drink. Tonight, today, yesterday, I've been trying. But you have a message, so out with it. Had a few, and now we're a little snippy, are we? Guys, got any water for that one? He's gonna need it. Uh, there's water around here somewhere. She turns to to Ziggret and to Story, and I have a message from our friend, the little girl, and a word of warning about who you might be dealing with. She gets just a little bit of an edge to her voice, and she goes, "Be careful where you go and who you're alone with." The Townsfolk are increasingly cautious of whomever is employed by the guard and, for better or worse, are associated with them now. And she really wants her jam. Would this have been somebody we're alone with already? Based on the agitation that I've seen from them earlier today, I imagine they're quite pissed. Indeed. Indeed. Bill. Message received. Keep an eye out for Sir Gammon. He's not as benevolent as he likes to appear. Those in power seem to have ways of masking their rage. Oh, let's be plain. He's a dick. <laughs> oh, yes, he was. Yes. Hey, wasn't he just a dick to you guys? I mean, Story can't say that, but she emotes it. Perfect. If you do search for Sir Gammon, watch out for the red box. And then she. Stands up, 
kind of brushes herself off. Well, you'll be hearing from my brothers and sisters. And she turns and kind of melts into the shadows of the night. Uh, Zigger goes, Hey, come back one second. She doesn't answer. He was going to flip a coin her way. Kind of, kind of mumbling under his breath, Quill just says, Yeah, you tread on one sand. And lays his head down. Zigger goes, oh, I'm there with you, mate. I'll think about this in the morning. One last thing. Ziggert gets up, rummages through his bag. Presumably, Quill and Story hear metal clanking around. Ziggert pulls a hunting trap out of his bag. And he goes, so nobody else bothers us in the night. Goes and sets it on the trail, coming towards the camp about 20 feet away, and sets the trap. Story writes out, I still think we should do watches. And as Ziggert lays down, in proximity to Quill, he goes, oh, yeah, before you nod off, I'll put a bear trip out the, the front path. Quill, Quill is already snoring. Hopefully he doesn't have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Oh, dear. Yeah, I was going to say, um, and I'm assuming there's only two watch, so. Probably. Ziggert's going to take the other one for sure, then, because Quill ain't. <laughs> Are you all turning in for the night, then? I'm taking first yeah. watch. I'm going to try to stay up as long as possible. How much minimum sleep do I need to not be exhausted tomorrow? I think it's based on like contiguous nights. So one night probably wouldn't get you exhaustion, I think, right? Okay, so I can say when waking you up, say just give me four hours or give me a couple hours rest. I mean, I think we should just rest until we're all rested. Yeah, you guys, you're not on a schedule or anything at this point. Yeah. I mean, people are dying. No, no one you know. <laughs> They're already dead. Much. Well, then I'm going to stay up as long as I can, and then I'll wait for it. So the rest of the night is uneventful. No one interrupts your watch and your rest. Quill, you wake up and you've you've kind of got a nasty headache and some bad cotton mouth. Other than that, no ill effects from the long evening of drinking. When Story wakes up, she hands him stew. He takes it. Not happy about On that note, um, if everyone remembered to get their characters ready for tonight, you did level up. And we can go into, we can do like a recap of any cool new fun things you get. To, I mean, you don't probably get to do much right now because you're level two. I get arcane tradition. I can. Yep, never mind. <laughs> but no, no, it's a. Uh, Evening goes very uneventfully. What is it you guys are going to set out to do today? Well, we should probably check on uh, what's-his-face the merchant. Heinrich? Heinrich. You guys left him at the chapel to recover, and he's under guard. Is that what we're going to do right away? Or are we all leveling up right now because we forgot to? Oh, yeah, Ziggurat, level two. Good for you. Good for you. That damn stray cat that hasn't leveled up yet. I'm not familiar with uh, D and D. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you hit the gear next to your character name, there's manage manage, yeah, manage levels. levels, and then yeah, you can set your level there, and then it'll it should call out things you can do. Like if there are things at second level, like I got font of magic, which now lets me tap into sorcerer points, which is kind of like even deeper into my innate magical abilities. So I. Um, the only thing I can do with sorcery points right now is uh, use them to create additional spell slots. But later on, I'll be able to do them to modify my spells, like add more damage, more range, 
make them silent, things like that. I got cunning act. Ooh, what's that do? I can make a rock. <laughs> Good for okay, you. I can, make, I can make an object. I can make any object, an inanimate object of up to three feet in size, but that's pretty that's cool. Really, uh, amazing. Couldn't you make a diamond worth 50 gold? Nope. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's not permanent. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, you couldn't make it just to temporarily cast a spell? No, I think it's got to be an actual thing, doesn't it? Let's see. We'll have to look into that. No more than 10 pounds that of a non-magic object I have seen. Aha. Mm. Oh. Oh. Well, I mean, you would have probably seen a probably, diamond yeah. at some point. Being, being in, a, in wizard school. Disappears after one hour when you use this feature again or if it takes any damage. I could technically... It doesn't have a monetary signature attached to it, so it, it doesn't say I can't make an object. We'll have to dig yeah, into probably. that one, I think, maybe, huh? I make yeah. my own components. Nice sidestep around any limitations. Look at me cheating. Not cheating, it's bending the rules gently. Oh, that's true. Caressing the them. Caressing the rules. Tenderly stretching them. Are we heading back to the chapel then? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. I just mentioned it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You approach the chapel outside. There's a small contingent of guards, three, four guards. Uh, they look really bored. They haven't slept. They've been staying up all night. They seem a little crabby about being stuck there. And as you approach, they're kind of like, hey, what do you need? They're not very friendly. Of course not. Um, uh, we, we here to see the fry. Yeah. All right. I'll get them for you. Walks in. And then a few seconds later, one of the acolytes come and just wave you forward, give a side glance at the guards, and opens the door, lets you guys in, brings you in to see the friar. He doesn't look any worse for wear. Like, you would expect from all the drinking he did that it might slow him down a little. He doesn't even have bags under his eyes. He's doing fine. Dude's an alcoholic. <laughs> a functional alcoholic. Don't say, excuse me. Functional. And judging from how spry he is, he's functional as hell. Good morning. Uh, yes, good morning. While they're all like mumbling at each other, the story goes, God, these guys can't do anything, and writes down, How is Heinrich? Keep, keep forgetting you do the, the righty thing. And uh, he's 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 doing well. I could sign instead. No, no, no. That's 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 fine. That's fine. No, Heinrich. Uh, he's recovering nicely. He's he's. I believe he's awake. He's probably he's probably broken fast already. We can bring you to him. I believe he might be ready to to, to talk to you. To have a word with the man that tried to kill me. Well, well. I mean, it's a small detail, really. It's... Yes. He... He was not in his right mind, and he came significantly closer to killing me than that's true. any of you, so if anyone should have an issue with him, but we need answers. I'm not really feeling my best right now, so excuse the decorum. Story writes, what did you give him to drink? Friar looks a little uncomfortable, just, just a little nip. Just a little nightcap. <clears throat> he turns and hurries out of the room. Kind of shuffles down the hall a little faster, like <laughs> cutting out the chit chat now. 
leads you into kind of a small area, just kitchen, basic bench, and a small table along the wall. And Heinrich's sitting there. He looks pretty rough, but, I mean, he's alive. He's doesn't have any burns or anything. And he's he's just eating some sort of gruel out of a bowl. Doria makes sure that the friar sees that she's using a new piece of paper and then writes down, how are you doing? And Heinrich goes, well, not often I get burnt from the inside out, but I think considering I'm probably doing okay, it's thanks to the good friar, I'm actually feeling much better than I would expect. What do you remember from yesterday? I I remember you coming into my shop and we talked about something and then pain and darkness. You don't remember causing my my mate here any pains? No, I, I don't remember that. I don't remember anything about that. Dory thieves, thieves can't signals at him and ask who gave necklace. He just seems a little confused. He's not really smelling what you're stepping in. Okay. That was a one stone thing. <laughs> so having not summoned my gecko and the silence in the room, Quilla just... So do you... You don't remember hitting me with your club. Do you remember who gave you the necklace? And he goes, uh, yeah. necklace. Uh, oh, winged friend here had to uh, just cut it off your neck. And the friar kind of interrupts. He goes, we left out a few details since he was in a bad way last night. and He's still recovering. But Heinrich, you had some sort of necklace controlling you Goodfree had one too and it killed him and it's very fortunate that it didn't kill you Heinrich just kind of looks at him and says, I I don't I don't remember I don't remember any necklace he goes but Goodfree Goodfree owed me money and then he stares off for a second and kind of glazes over but I I'm sorry I I'm must be tired. I don't. What were we talking about? Oh, good. Ah, so you don't remember much about Goodfree owing anyone else money? No, oh, Goodfree. I I can't think quite why, but he he owed me a significant amount. He he owed me. And I remember I made some threats, but I don't remember why. You threatened his daughter? And he blanks out. As soon as you say daughter, he blanks out. Story writes, when did you start losing time? Hands it to Heinrich. And Heinrich goes, well, it's, I'm not sure. I just keep thinking back and further and further. And it must have. It must be some time that this has been going on because I'm having troubles recalling details for months. Months back. Friar, what's happened here in the last few months? Any any new strangers 
we've we've had some of the typical folk in and out of the mountains, but no one unexpected or or odd. These most of these these people we've known for years, you know, marginally, but we've traded with them. We've known them. He goes, yeah, and I I can't think of of anything. Story writes down anybody local start to drastically act differently or any or anything weird happening with the local crew there's there's always small tizzies and fits between the guard and the small folk and then uh story i'd like you to do a perception check you mean before she hits the person who says small folk 13 okay so story you just turning the pages in your 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 sketchbook and you open up to another page and there's childlike writing in it that you didn't see before and you didn't put there and it says keep an eye on those who don't have voices keep an eye on those who are not seen i kind of nudge cigarette because i assume that i'm by him because he's the one i can communicate with and try to like in that teacher way where you're trying to like not show that you're showing but also like type of showing ziggurat looks and sees the message uh, but before he i pay too much attention to it i go quill any of the questions you have for a friend yeah, here yeah uh and then I like as soon as you start talking, okay, I look at the, the moment you stop paying attention to the page. I like hit you, like Hein Heinrich. When's the last time you been out of town? Uh, I don't generally leave. I've I've my second my hand. He's typically the one that runs and sends messages outside of town. Seems very trustworthy. I've known the man for several years now. Haven't had any problems or reasons to second guess him. You say you've been having trouble with your memory for months, looking back on it. As near as I can tell. When did Goodfree borrow money? It would have been several months ago. And honestly, it's he thinks for a second, he goes, I I can't pinpoint the exact date, but I had sent several messages through one of my contractors to put some pressure on him, but... How did you send messages? You personally? No, no. I, I try not to get my hands too dirty. I, I have a guard that does some dirty work for me on the side when he needs the cash. What's the guard's name? Uh, his name is Ferric. Eric, you say? Good. We have been meaning to talk to him for the past couple of days, at least. How much access does your hand have to your books? As much as I do. The man, he comes into my home. He helps me with the papers, all of my accounting. He goes, I, I could not run my legitimate business or some of the undesirables without him. How much does uh, Gammon know about the other part of your business? 
As far as I know, nothing. And I'd like to keep it that way. Indeed. Discretion is something I feel uh, we're all good at here. Yes. This conversation's in good faith. Yes, yes. Uh, just one more question for me, Heinrich. You don't happen to deal in magic items at all, do you? Rarely. Uh, magic items tend to be looked down on around here, and uh, in this kingdom in particular. Aside from the larger cities, I simply don't have a market for it. Every so often, I'll have a bauble that's requested, but uh, nothing, nothing directly. Yesterday, you told us, I don't know if it was you exactly, that you could get your hands on certain things. Who is the contact you would use for such things, if you don't mind my asking? Well, I would typically send my man out with one of our uh, caravans of goods with a message to a contact he has in the city. And we hear back typically when he gets back. They're usually gone for a week or two, sometimes three at a time. So getting one of these necklaces would be something handled by another. Thank you. It's information I can use. Hi. Raya, do you have another room the, the three of us could uh, talk amongst ourselves? He goes, yes, of course. He goes, I'll, I'll, bring, you, I'll bring you into my, uh, my quarters. <clears throat> and he, he actually, he brings you into the room where Goodfrey died. And uh, just a little char on the floor. Otherwise, it's it's very much the same as you remember it. It's it's very plain. You know, he's he's got the small altar to paylor and um, just a, a plain pallet for him to sleep on, and uh, you know, maybe a small desk beside his little personal altar. And because uh, I just let let us know if you need anything. Walks off. We will. Story. Quill. We've been meaning to talk to Fennec. I feel like he's on the, the list, but uh, sensing a general ability for this shopkeep to uh, do things without his boss knowing about it. Yes. It seems this second in command has a lot more freedom than I gave him credit for. Indeed. Perhaps misplaced trust. If uh, this fella has a contact in a city that can get magical items, how hard it would be for him to get a few necklaces into this town? And a great amount of debt that Goodfrey had. Suspect it could be a magic necklace, perhaps for protection. Uh, story writes down, why would he put it on himself? No, not not that. D different. Uh, uh, magic item the girl had on her the, with the protection spell. You suppose he went into debt? He said he would do anything for his daughter. Story do does that, but without the... If she wasn't looking at the girl. She was trying to figure out what the hell Fennec was all up to. And uh, um, 
my apologies story, we probably should have followed your lead sooner. Yes, it seems we should talk to Fennec. He seems... Sus. Like, yes. Suspect. And point of clarification, Ferric. Oh, Ferric, not Fennec. <laughs> Ferric. Ferric. Yes. I have a headache. I don't care about this. <laughs> like Eric with an F. So what the heck was written in my my notebook? Uh, I had to react to things. <laughs> I, I can listen later. It's fun. It was it was uh pay attention to the unseen, I think, something like that. To those who are not seen and those who don't have a voice. Yeah. And yeah. Story and Ziggurat, as you guys are kind of thinking about it, you think of how the town is situated. You know, you have the keep on the bridge atop. You have below that these kind of more affluent members of Fort Hightower and then the merchant's quarter. And then you have that shield wall that kind of goes around. And outside of that and to the east, I'm sorry, the west of town is kind of the poorer areas of town. But even by comparison, and Story would know this probably better than anyone else because she's been outside of town. I mean, you guys have briefly at night been through, but Story has actually seen the outside of town. It's even compared to the poorer district, it's much worse outside of the shield wall. Like there are people kind of scraping by, but they're not they're not doing well. And they're separated not only by status, but literally by this wall. Story would get the spoon out of her face, thank you, uh, and write down, maybe we should see the actual poor side of town. Creepy god girl seems to want that. Well, yeah. It's another lead worth looking at. Yes. Uh, the god can wait. I would prefer to check into a lead that may bear more fruit first. Poor side of town it is. She also writes down, she used a page in my journal. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even ask. Or my sketchbook or my whatever, yeah. <laughs> my infinite notebook so I can communicate with people. Your voice. Yes. So we're going to switch over to our map here, if I can get it brought up. No, I don't. Not that one. Not that one. Two seconds. How long would it take us to walk over there? It, probably 15, 20 minutes. Okay, so I start going through numbers. Cigarette. With your numbers? Yes, because we're going to stick around. And so I start showing you numbers like one to 10 on the way over as we're, you know, like just. He's oh, teaching you. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Starting that took to me, the player, <laughs> a second to catch on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ziggurat's really intrigued with learning those numbers and um, does his best to, um, you know, follow along uh, with the science to, to try to understand and uh, also sees that this would be a, probably a good advantage uh, amongst themselves to be able to talk and not be heard. Almost like sign language should be taught to children in <laughs> classrooms in the U.S. and everywhere. The hard jump is from five to six. So you spend more time on that 
Is that what people think? It, it's also W. Uh. <laughs> six, three, six, three, six, three. That's the German three, too. Yeah. I, it's, I also believe the Navy. I didn't know that there were hand signals for the Navy until my dad was like, oh, yeah, no, totally this. It's like, what? <laughs> but it makes sense. So as an aside, did you see that there is a Kickstarter that got funded for a tabletop game that teaches uh, ASL? No. What? Why was that not sent to me? I'll, I'll have to send it to you. Yeah? Story also starts going through, and hopefully through Ziggurat, ask if Quill would like to start learning some sign and starts trying to let him, you know, feel her hand as she's doing numbers while we're walking over and vamping because our DM can't find the map. Now I can find it. It's just not in the right format, and I'm, I'm having to dink around way more than I planned on. So I was able to escape, escape judgment. Oh, no. No, there's judgment. But yeah, she's trying to teach you numbers, starting at least. She is having a feeling that this is yeah. going to be a thing, so maybe you guys should know how to communicate. Yeah, cool. We'll give you a paw. I'm sure it'll take time for him to memorize these things, as even as yeah. smart as he is, especially in this hungover state. As yeah, he but it, she was thinking it was more something to do on the way to the very poor side, and it was going to be a quick vamp, and then the map thing happened, so it's becoming a much bigger part of the story. <laughs> we stop at the shield wall. You both gawk at it. Quill stands there for a while, waiting for us to move on. Story takes a moment to remember. Oh, he can't see it. That's why he's not impressed. Cool. Okay. Up at the bot, the base of the cliffs and the pass. That area in there is kind of where the more expensive houses and where the nice shit is in High Tower. And then we've got the merchant district in the center. And then the slums are kind of to the west there. And then just outside of the wall, we have the really awful part of town. Okay. As you guys leave the gate, and again, just like when you guys entered Fort Hightower from the north, it is manned by a few guards. They seem very bored. They are not incredibly diligent about their job. Story, you would remember this and have seen it in the past too. The, most of these buildings, if you can call them that, are lean-tos or makeshift shelters. The people here, they don't look well-fed at all. Mostly look pretty sickly. Yeah, they don't look like anyone's really paying attention or taking care of them. Um, can I uh, retcon something? If I sure. knew we were coming here, I would drag them to go grab food from somewhere. Sure. Okay. Things we could hand out. Like if we found fruit or something. Yeah. If you if you had shared like where we're going, because Quill probably wouldn't know what this place is. But if you had shared where this place is, I would probably have dropped at least a couple gold on so food significant amount of rations and Yeah. Oh yeah, so I was gonna say Ziggurat would have done the same if we knew we were I would have been very clear on where we were going, and as you can tell, being from a crime family, you tend to learn if you feed poor people, they like you and tell you things and trust you and then get employed by you. 
so food is is very much a you know you go grab something and give so yeah uh fruit something that can be opened or you know not turkey legs something reasonable okay like dried goods stuff like that yeah 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 okay so maybe some maybe some like vegetables some some turnips something yeah turnips potatoes things with minerals yes. that Staples. like even even from the desert we would recognize dates probably things that from the desert we would recognize have a lot of nutritional value even if they're not very big okay yeah it's calorie dense and nutritional dense foods yeah ziggur's gonna spend five gold worth of uh i'm just gonna add that rations to my inventory and then plan on sending that uh, giving that to whomever encountered and story would have an idea of what would go over well yeah okay no, you eat dates now. As you guys approach that shield wall, Quill, you in particular, you know, having to rely on your other senses, you're like kind of struck. There is a smell to this place. It has an odor. Unwashed bodies, people that don't have any place to go to the bathroom. There's no sewer. It's just people living in their own filth, basically. It's just very downtrodden. And there's a whole extra stench that is stressed out people who don't have access to clean water. These are basically everyone else that doesn't have any consistent way to make money that's living in a town that used to be affluent, but is no longer. These are the cast-offs. And you have gear. By their standards, you guys look rich. Sure. Why don't you all do a perception check for me? <laughs> Nat one. You don't see shit. Not seeing a darn thing. <laughs> Not even shit. Oh, I forgot to roll a disadvantage. So, 14. Okay. What did you get, Anne? I got eight. Yeah, you guys... Wow. <laughs> I'm really into showing them numbers. Quill, out of all, everyone in the group, you can kind of overhear people are kind of talking to you and you hear just vague whispers and you can only catch a few words here and there, but there seems to be a group of children that are kind of whispering about you guys in hushed tones that are kind of separate from the rest of the voices. Quill is in no position or mindset to be subtle. Quit talking about us. Just come out and we've, We've got some things for you. And he would pull out probably some food we bought at the market and maybe a ration out of his own bag. Zigrit sees the children and I'm assuming they are just like uh, how you described the other girl where she just appears to have experienced more more time than she is aged, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So she's she's very uh, world-worn. Just having... Not like not really knowing how to cope with that, and he probably you know his time spending with with the elves in the villages there probably uh, liked to entertain the children there. So he's gonna have a go at seeing if he can get this group of kids entertained. Not like again, not having heard any of the whispers or anything like that. He just sees a group of kids, and that's his reaction. Is it cool if I do a performance check and we'll say mix in some pressed digitation to like you know draw on the the road sure. and make some colors and you know. 15. Okay. 
do you make some like cloud animals and stuff like that? And... Yeah, some, some sparkler with my wand. Um, I one of the children that seems maybe engaged. I'll um, change the color of their um, clothing for a sec, like brightly brightly colored. And then they changes back and they just look sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna help to make sure that every kid gets a little something. Okay. I, yeah, I imagine like. Like, as you guys are bringing out, you know, that's a significant amount of food you guys bought. Just just to carry it, I imagine, like, you'd almost yeah. have to, like, pay a vendor to, like, bring a cart out. We probably... Like I, I bought about 10 pounds worth. Uh, it would be about 20 yeah. pounds, which would be enough to fit in my backpack. At least okay. for, for, for mine. Yeah, I, I bought enough to probably fit in my backpack, and I'll probably burn a couple of my own rations that we haven't had to use yet. But but too, like you you guys had said, you like this is mostly like calorie dense. A lot of it's yeah, like true. dry goods and stuff like that. So some of that's going to take up a lot less space. Those calorie dense foods, but like staples, they take up a lot of space. Oh yeah. So true. even though poundage wise they don't weigh much, they take up a lot of physical space. A lot of so, volume. So anyways, I, I imagine like you guys kind of set up like an impromptu like soup kitchen, so to speak. Sure. And, um, you know, people, they seem very receptive to this. But the one thing you guys do pick up on immediately is they they do seem like they're working together fairly. They're not there's not like a lot of shoving. There's not a lot of disorder. And that kind of like triggers in the back of your head that, you know, the fryer and Gammon and pretty much everyone you talk to has kind of said like there's been like this kind of discord in the town, but you're not really seeing evidence of that here. Yeah. Kind of taking note that there's not there's not obviously a lot of shouting or shoving or people getting angry at each other, but there's a consistent like people coming and getting things from us. Like at one point Quill would kind of lean in close to the person that's in the head of the line grabbing something from him and just subtly ask. Is there someone in charge we can speak with? And he's, I, he goes, David, back there. He's, he's one of the elders. He, uh, he helps, he helps keep things as orderly as we can with what little we have. And sitting uh, on a kind of makeshift stool outside of a burlap tent, basically. It's basically a lean-to with whatever garbage they could find. You see this grizzled old man. He kind of has this mane of gray and silver hair. Um, he has a very shaggy beard, and he's he's basically dressed in tatters, and he's just kind of watching and kind of nodding to himself as people are going through the line and grabbing just their, only their fair share of food. Um, but you notice he hasn't gotten anything for himself yet. Um, he's making sure that the thinnest and the most desperate are getting the food first. I was going to say, as soon as somebody would point out the elder, I would signal that we should go by the elder and hand out food. And, you know, because I assume everything's still in bags. So I would probably quickly write, let's set up by the elder and make sure that. If he's the one that makes sure that everybody gets their fair share, that's who we go to. We pay him respect. So as you guys kind of approach him, he looks at you. He's the line snaking behind us. <laughs> <laughs> just following you. 
Which I mean, like, story would be like, yeah, you see what we're doing. Come, come on. Like, As you guys are kind of like setting up adjacent, he's he's kind of wary. He's not unwelcoming. He's just cautious. He's appraising you. He doesn't really say anything. He, again, he's just kind of watching. Mm-hmm. We said okay. Then set up respectfully nearby and continue to hand out food. It seems like things are kind of petering out a little bit. There's still a fair amount of people that haven't, but for whatever reason, people are kind of trickling through now instead of like this big long line. You see David himself gets up and kind of gets in line. He grabs a very small amount of food and you can tell just by looking at his hands and his arms, he's fairly emaciated. There's not a lot of extra bone on him. He's skin and dust, basically. Story writes down, is there anybody we need to deliver to? And shows it. It's it's taken care of. Thank you for, for all you've done. I, I, I no longer have high hopes for those that come from behind the wall, but it, it is my sincere hope that this is from the goodness of your hearts. If I had known there was People like this being treated this way. I would have brought you food as soon as I got to town. I apologize for not noticing sooner. It, uh, I, I express my sincerest apologies that we didn't come help them all. Um, and hopefully this uh, at least makes up for a little bit of lack of our presence in this area of your town. Um, we're new here, of course. You probably haven't seen the likes of us around here, but uh, we want to make ourselves known to all the people of the town. And if this isn't, I mean, Story would have done this before. This is how you make a present. That's where your contacts start, mm-hmm. is in the foresight. So this is where she would have, this is how yeah. she would have. Story, I imagine at this point, you're you're probably not unknown. But I mean, again, there's. But I'm still it's... a rogue. <laughs> it would have been food drops in the night and no one would have known what happened. Houses that had children or obviously had elderly people would have had drops and somebody would have caught sight of me. People would probably see you as this benevolent person that doesn't talk much. Doesn't have a whole lot of resources, not as rich as these guys, but has done, has paid her respects. And two, you do see, unlike in town, you do see like a small smattering of not full humans too. You know, you do see... A few, not a lot, but like just a few like half orcs and maybe a halfling. You only see a very small number of elves that are kind of off to the side by themselves. Zigrid might kind of take particular notice of the elves because, you know, your best approximation, as far as you know, all the elves in the area were kind of adjacent in the woods to your family's land. But... Um, you don't recognize these elves. I would still, when when acceptable, uh, once this probably when the conversation is done, I would. I'm probably going to wander over there and give them some rations right from my pack and have a chat with them too. David, he just kind of sits down. He starts eating quietly. He was. Um, I've I've heard little whispers of you're asking questions in town. What have you found out about all the murders? There is belief that it is tied to a cult long gone in some regard. There have been two necklaces found, one on a merchant, one on Goodfrey. Unfortunately, the necklace in the removing it took Goodfrey's life. And thankfully for Heinrich, the merchant, he survived. 
removing the necklace from his person. As far as true motives, it is confusing. Uh, leads dry up or point in directions that they make no sense. And we have had issues. And, and David stops and he goes, and, and of the others? Others. They did not tell us. The friar, there have been more murders. And he spits on the ground and he goes, I, friar's a good man, but our folk are not allowed within the walls, aside from a few charity moments where he's brought us food. He, the friar has very little to do with us. He's mostly tending his flock and doing what he can for the people in town. But his time and resources are limited. Cameron said nothing. Doesn't shock me. We've we've brought up our, the deaths to the guard, but they don't listen. Mate, as far as we've had, um, this girl was the first murder in a long time here. He goes, maybe in the walls. Um, I'm not going to don't believe you. Right. Which just... Um, Makes me even more hurt for your situation here. What can you tell us of the murders, and if you don't mind, how they transpired here? Seemingly, it's the most desperate, the poorest. Some of them addicted to drugs and going into town or sneaking into town, trading what they can, doing what they can to do whatever they can to get more. And then, seemingly, they disappear and a few days later we their body turns up several of them dismembered or pieces missing or pieces pieces how story right now when did this these murders start six months seven months maybe a little longer it time passes and it's it's difficult to when you can't keep track like Meaningful eye contact with the, the months. M- months? It's nowhere she writes down months. <laughs> yeah, Quill growls noticeably. And probably probably for the first time since the two others have met him, he seems much more, like even in the fight, his hackles and his demeanor have not looked this pissed. Nobles should not treat anyone under their care like this. Story writes down, can we check out the drug den now? And shows a cigarette. Shows a cigarette. Oh, yeah. The, the, can we check out the drug den? Um, we'll have, I want to have a conversation over there with these uh, elves first. Do you have any merchants that you know in town that are willing to trade with you? They're uninterested. We have little in the way of coin. He takes out five more gold from his pouch and puts it into the old man's hand. David just looks and his eyes kind of messed up a little because they'll be well spent. If I am ever through this town again, you will have more. The nobles here may not take care of you, but I will. If you find your way back, you, for what little hospitality we have, we'll do what we can for you, too. Thank you. And Quill, he probably, like, disassembled his bag, basically getting all the food and everything out, and he'll kind of put some stuff back in. And I think I start with, like, ten rations of what I have not used. 
I will leave on like the table or whatever we were using. Tori will write a quick little note that she'll have, um, if she leaves town, she'll have Mard check in. I would assume the hedge witch does not let these people completely starve and go without medicine, but she probably doesn't leave her house too much either. Yeah, and, and you would know Maud probably ventures out, but also you would also know that being from in the walls, there's there's still a certain hesitancy that the people have. They trust her for what she does, but oh, yeah. they're they're probably not incredibly like going out of their way to to chit chat either. No, she comes out and does the free clinic and she's treated like a free clinic is and and that's Nobody goes without medicine, but also she only has so much. While uh, while Zigrit goes and talks to his elf friends, if there are still children nearby, Quill would like be snapping his gecko in and out of existence to uh, entertain them. Uh, let's split off for for Zigrit for a second here. Zigrit, you you kind of see the elves kind of have their own uh, little campfire and uh, group of shanties, basically. Mm-hmm. off to the side they still seem thinner than average elves to you but they they don't seem nearly as like emaciated sure as some of the people there and you would know just from experience that uh they're probably just a little uh more hardy and they're probably a little more capable of of foraging and things like that outside of town yeah. when need be yeah ziggurat uh approaches them and he probably has some sort of customary greeting. Most elves he knows are magical. So he does press the digitation and probably does some sort of symbol in the air as he approaches them. That uh, is probably, again, some sort of typical greeting to the elves, like a, you know, you, you know when you go to like a, a small town kind of thing and somebody offers you water and you say, oh, no, thanks. But if you know them, you're like, yes, absolutely. Kind of thing. Uh, it's just so, some subtle thing like that. Anyway, um, so he approaches and he talks in Sylvan uh, as he approaches too. And he says, friends, what brings you here in a town like this? As you approach, like you're looking at them. They're not dressed in rags as much as they are cobbled together furs. Instead of, you know, like wooden buttons or anything like that, it seems most of it's carved out of bone. And and you you kind of get this distinct earthiness from them. And you recognize th- these are likely some local group of druids that set up shop here for whatever reason. The oldish looking one, they're all look to be about the same age. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that much when it comes to elves. But he clearly has that presence of youth kind of in charge he goes we've we've noticed a imbalance in the forest around town and we've come to at least try to make sense of it because it seems as though the sense of this weirdness is stemming from the town itself yes had a few of our woodland friends that have been killed in cold blood and, and not used for food or it was just senseless. Cigarette completely doesn't understand either. Like he is probably as appalled as a murder of an animal being killed without it being used as sustenance. It's just, it's, some of them almost appear ritualistic, but we we've come to, to see what we can find out from these humans. And he kind of says humans in a, you know, slightly derogatory tone. And you get the impression he's not speaking of the ones like right there. Right but more kind of glances up at the the town itself. 
that's about the hospitability hospitability they've given us too. Um, somehow we managed to be in charge in charge of this investigation uh, of the murder of a girl in town. However, it just doesn't seem natural. Her, her heart was missing. Um, just her heart. And he kind of freezes and stiffens for a second. He was several of the animals' hearts were missing as well. How long ago? Uh, several weeks is some stretching back. I believe the first one that our group found was seven or eight months ago. Oh. Pattern of escalation. Do you suppose somebody found their way into magic and uh, without proper guidance decided to take it upon themselves to experiment and learn? Do you know how those who find power tend to abuse it? Do you suspect something like that could be happening here? He pauses. He kind of looks at the other two. He goes, I, I can't speak as much if this is some unguided magic user, but there's clearly something affecting the balance. Have you heard of the burnt hand? And he goes, I, he goes, I remember the last few vestiges of the hand were destroyed. My knowledge is they've been gone for a long time and good riddance. That feel like them because i i don't know but that sends a shiver up my spine because if they're back there is true evil at work here friends let me leave you with this uh token of goodwill whether you use it for yourselves or those around you please take uh, uh have about five days of rations to provide for you do as you see fit he pulls what looks like a decorative leaf off of his furs and hands it to you and he goes if if you have need of us send this with a wind with a message we'll come as soon as we can much appreciated forest be with you <laughs> he nods and then we flash back over to uh see back over there well it's just like the gecko is appearing and disappearing and like It'll run through his his clothing and come out the other like out of his other sleeve. Story would be it probably with him with the children and using her uh very good sleight of hand to be doing like tricks with some ball bearings in your ear. It pops out. Oh no, it's over here. I assume uh with a plus nine, I don't really have to roll for a. <laughs> Children. Nah. Children. No, you're you're fine. <laughs> the one of the younger ones, like three, four years old, kind of looks like barely old enough to speak. He kind of runs up and he tugs on your feathers and kind of pulls you down and he goes, No wonder she likes you. Kind of giggles and runs off. Once uh Ziggurat's returned. There are now several children of ball bearers. <laughs> I just give them dangerous steel balls. Prestidigitation also lasts yeah. for like an hour, so there's still a few kids running around with brightly colored smocks. <laughs> and I imagine like this little cloud dragon like spinning Chasing them around, yeah. flying around. <laughs> can't can't you also use it to clean people's clothes? Uh, can I? Yeah. It, it at least gives the appearance, <laughs> the appearance of, of being clean. clean. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it actually cleans it. I think it just gives the appearance and there, yeah, there's a different spell to do that yeah there's a different i forget which one i think i have access to it i think people use it 
uh, use the idea of um, vibrations, sound, because uh, I, I was trying to say was uh, every single D and D podcast I listen to, which is way too many. Uh, they all allow that. It's like ultrasonic cleaning. <laughs> the sonic showers from Star Trek. Yeah. But yeah. Once Singret returns, uh, Quill stand up from the children and like let the gecko just kind of crawl down onto probably one of the children's heads. And uh, well, shall we? Shall we go then? If Zigrit could do a perception check for me. Yes. What is this? I was hot the other night, and now I'm just dead opposite on that one again. <laughs> I'm admiring my work with the children. Just like they seem to have had fun, and they're running around laughing, and he seems fulfilled. So that's what his focus is on right now. Yeah, we got poor hungry children to laugh. We're good. We don't care what's going on elsewhere. As you kind of wrap things up, in this uh, kind of poor outer district of town, you start walking back towards the gates and you see several more guardsmen there than there were before. One of the acolytes from the chapel runs up and is out of breath. And he was, there's been another one. And that's where we're going to end for tonight. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh. And on that note, I want to thank everyone. I hope you come back. And potentially, maybe we have another combat. Don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, no one dies. No, I just want to really say I really appreciate everyone that came out to listen to this recording. Uh, my time frame at this point is I'm averaging about a episode and a half a week for editing. Hopefully, we'll get all of these finished up, mastered, and hosted. And then I will announce when the RSS feed is live. And I'll post that both on the website and I'll, of course, post it on Twitter. So if you want to follow us on Twitter at UberGeekMedia or check out our website at UberGeekMedia.com or just give us a follow here on Twitch. That would super help us out because we're trying to get to affiliate um, so we can unlock some of the more fun chat-related things. Then we'll start trying to take some more breaks to respond to chat if everyone has any questions or anything like that. That being said, I'm going to hand it off back in reverse order again for our sign off to this guy. Thanks. This has been uh, Mark as Zigrit, the Dragonborn Sorcerer. Over to Anne. I'm Anne. I am uh, Story the Kenku Rogue. You can find me on all of the social media that I have not checked in a week since I made it as the Crafty Heathen. And I am John or Seasonal Bard, and you can find me on most uh, social media that way, and I play Quill, the tabaxi wizard. Thanks for listening to In Absentia. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our RSS feed and write a review. That's the easiest thing that you can do to help us grow. Also, if you want to hear more great things from UberGeek Media, go to www.ubergeekmedia.com and see what else the UberGeek Media team has cooking. You can also follow us on social media at UberGeek Media. If you really want to help UberGeek Media grow, the most amazing over-the-top thing you can do is go to www.ubergeekmedia.com, click on the donate button, throw us a little cheddar, help us keep the lights on, help us keep bringing you great content. I'm Steve, 
your GM. Thanks and have a great day.